Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Interleague Faithful. Before we get started, go ahead and give the uh, podcast a big thumbs up. Hit the like and subscribe button. We'd really appreciate that. It goes a long way in this content. Today, we talk playoffs. And let's get one thing straight. You're either ready for the playoffs or you're not ready for the playoffs. In the next seven days, eight days, the next week and a half, whatever it is, that will prove who is ready for the playoffs and who's not. Some teams have been made it. Some teams are clawing for it. Some teams are like, the spot they're in is not really going to change. But are you ready? That's the real question. And teams will figure that out here sooner rather than later. And today we're going to tell you whether our teams are going to figure it out. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Spags, are you going to figure it out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, playoff picture starting to get a little clearer. Um, <clears throat> I think some teams are are trending in the right direction while others kind of floundering a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think what's your most... favorite possible playoff team besides your team, like a team that who's I the, hope makes team, it. Yeah. No. Well, who's the team you're going to watch there? If, if it ended today, all those teams are in it. Who's that team you're going to watch? That's not the Yankees. Um, I so hard. I I would probably say I would be very interested in the Cleveland Seattle series. I think that that'll shape up to be be pretty good. Assuming it ended today and that that's how it all ranked out. Um, obviously there's there's still games going on at the moment. Um, so that could change. But as it stands right now, yeah, like as as you like, you would have thought they would have been in the playoffs. Yeah, like it's it's crazy. Like uh, what uh, what's come out? I know we we don't we don't frequent the social medias, um, but the Guardian social media has been pretty top notch since they clinched the division. Um, yeah, so they, they were showing, like, basically everything's just been, like, them calling out everyone that predicted them to finish, like, fourth or fifth in the AL Central. Nice. Um, like, the over-under, I think, in, like, Vegas for their wins was, like, 69 and a half. Like, they're, they're probably not even going to, like, like, they haven't even lost 69 games on the year yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's just, it's... It's interesting to see, like, everyone was like, oh, they're going to finish fourth. Or, like, how good can this team actually be? Um, Like, the one good note was, like, you know, they have some young talent that should be exciting to watch, but there's really nothing there anymore. Like, with all the (laughs) trades that they made. Yeah, they traded it away. um, And it was like, if Fran Mel Reyes doesn't doesn't just have, like, a career year, this team isn't going to go anywhere. And they traded him. And then they won the division. (laughs) So... Um, granted it'll, it comes with a grain of salt. Um, a large portion of why I think they won the division is because the AL central has been an absolute shit show. Um, the, uh, Cleveland's the only team in that division above 500 right now. Uh, it's like the white Sox severely underperformed. Um, I think the twins were 
probably right about what was expected. I think the Royals were right about what was expected, but I think everyone expected Detroit to be a little bit better. I mean, like they're pushing potentially losing a hundred games this year. And I don't think anyone expected that with like how active they were in the off season. Um, but so, so Cleveland is like 20 games above 500 and like there are 15 games, 16 games above 500 against just the AL central. So, like, a big bulk of, like, why they have the lead that they do is they've just beaten up on their own division. You're welcome. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's. I don't know how strikes work, so maybe you should stop singing the Moana song, but. (laughs) True, true. We'll figure that out quickly. The Rock will come after us. (laughs) Um, Dude, it's not my fault. All I do is watch that movie in my household. (laughs) Right. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think. I think what interests me, so A, uh, Cleveland is like the, they have the youngest roster in baseball. So I think a lot, it'll be a lot of guys like their first season in. They're kind of the underdog team. And because they're locked into the third spot, Yankees beat Toronto tonight to clinch the AL East. Um, The uh, Cleveland can't catch either Houston or the Yankees. So the one, two, three seeds are pretty, are already set on the AL side. Um, so it is, uh, it's a, it'll, it'll be a lot of young guys, a lot of guys. It's kind of like their first shot at the big stage and they will get to play in front of like that opening series will be in front of Cleveland fans. So I think that that should be pretty cool. Um, I don't think that they've really had much to go off of. Um, cause correct me if I'm wrong, that's who, uh, Chicago beat in the 2016 world series. And that was like a, a really epic series, won seven games. Chapman had the blown save late, you know, went in extra innings and, you know, Chicago came out on top, but I don't think Cleveland fans have really had anything to cheer for since then. Um, and the, like they were expected to do really well and the pandemic shortened year and they ran into the the buzzsaw that was the Yankee pitching in that round, and it just didn't matter. Like, you know, and then they dealt with, like, injuries to Kluber, and, you know, but it's like, if you think about where they're at now, where, like, they're 1-2-3, you know, in the wildcard series, you're probably looking at, like, Bieber in game one, probably Tristan McKenzie will get a start, and then maybe, like, either Cal Quint- Quantrill or Aaron Savali, one of those two will probably make the other start. And if you think like just, you know, three, four years ago, I mean, they had Trevor Bauer, they had Corey Kluber, uh, they had Mike Clevenger was there. Um, it's like there, there's like a whole other plethora of players the last time Cleveland really did anything. Um, so I, I think it'll just be very exciting to see that. And then you have like the, the makeshift Seattle team that I think kind of is overperformed for a really long time and then underperformed. But then they went out and they added uh, Castillo to kind of stabilize their rotation. But so they have like their big pitchers and being Robbie Ray, who's defending Cy Young winner that they came in, that they brought in in the off season. It hasn't really been up to snuff. They traded for Castillo and then they have homegrown talent and Logan Gilbert and then, like, Marco Gonzalez would probably be, like, the wild card in that situation. 
Um, so it's just, you know, very fresh faces to the AL playoffs. They aren't the big names that you usually hear about. Um, they're just really solid ball clubs. So I think it would be a good series. So the long-winded uh, answer. Yeah, I agree. You're always in the long-winded answer. <laughs> I think that'd be my... Um, <clears throat> the series I'd like to watch, I think, as well. Um, obviously, I just... Not really. I The Atlanta series would be cool. I, I you know, pseudo-Atlanta Braves fan. I, you know, like them in fantasy. Root for, <laughs> root for them a lot in fantasy. You know, they have some of the best players <laughs> in baseball. So. You draft uh, quite often from their team. Um, but... I think, yeah, the, definitely the Seattle-Cleveland series would be tight. And you're looking at future players that you're going to be looking for your team to sign in free agency. So it's like, a, uh, at least from the Cleveland roster, it's an advanced <laughs> scouting opportunity. Right. Because that team won't be the same um, <clears throat> over the next couple of years, especially probably. if they make a deep run. Yeah, probably uh, not. Yeah, and I'll feel bad for Tito. Uh, that's the other thing I like about uh, Cleveland. Is, uh, I, I, like I will I say I'm a fan of his as well. I wanted to be a cardinal. He wanted to be a cardinal, from my understanding. So, cool yeah, to see him. I, it is, it is a love hate relationship. I respect him. I can't, I can't say that like I, you know, I would want him to coach my team. You know, obviously with everything they did in Boston, um, but I respect, you know, what what he's done, what he's accomplished. Um, as far as like. The playoff, the playoffs not being done. So like, what's catching my interest, you know, over this last, you know, week or so that's left eight days of the regular season. Um, so really, I I would really like to see Baltimore make a push. Um, the Yankees yeah. have now clinched. Um, they're they're set in their in their spot. Like, I think in order for them to catch Houston for the number one seed, um, which I honestly don't really even want them to have because I like the matchups in the three six spot better. Um, I'll let Houston deal with the winner of Toronto and Tampa Bay because both those teams scare me. Um, but uh, Baltimore, I'm they're they're at 80 wins. They're three and a half back from Seattle right now. I think they're getting beat up on tonight. 13 to eight. Yeah, so, it's I mean, a pretty high score. I know it was like eight eight at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Boston um, is taking the lead there in the top of the seventh. Yo, shout out to Major League Baseball right now. There's four games in the second inning. Yeah, that West Coast. 923, bro. Yeah, that West I Coast. Feel like there's normally like, I know, but I feel like there's normally like one or two, like two games on the West Coast going on at this time. Yeah, there's it's fair. four it's fair. legitimate games going on on a Tuesday night. On a Tuesday. <clears throat> uh, wasn't that a song? On a Tuesday. I probably, I feel like everything's a song. Um,. But now the so what I think Atlanta played earlier and they won they beat Washington mm-hmm. um, Mets are losing late bottom of the ninth so a loss there actually brings the Mets and Braves to be tied and I think Thursday or maybe it's over the weekend maybe it's Friday Saturday Sunday um, Atlanta and the Mets play each other. Uh, so it'll be like full on, like, uh, you know, hey, who do we, <laughs> whoever wins the series likely wins the division. Uh, yeah, so it looks like it is uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Um, and then there's another series after that. So obviously it can change hands. And there's, I still think there's one game each. So the, it looks like the Braves, they have a game tomorrow against the Nationals. And then they play the Mets. And then they get the Marlins to wrap up the season. And the Mets, they have probably, my guess would be one more against Miami tomorrow. Uh, yep. Then they have the Braves. And then they wrap up against the Nationals at home. Um, so there's a strong possibility that you could see either Atlanta or the Mets kind of sell out. And if they if they get that one game lead, like let's say they're tied going into the three-game series against each other, whoever wins that series, if someone sweeps, then they pretty much clinch. But if, if one team wins two out of three and they're up by a game, you could likely see both teams be willing to expend kind of their top end starters to win those games. Because if they, if they win the division, they're guaranteed to be in the number two seed in the NL. So they don't play in the wild card. So not only are they like, like it's you're, you're playing for the division title, but you're also playing for like that wild card series by, um, that you, you know, and then of course you get, you would get home field advantage in the division series, but it could spell trouble. Like say the Mets decide they're going to throw Scherzer, DeGrom and Bassett in that final series, you know, in some combination, I imagine that those guys are likely setting up to pitch against Atlanta, but you know, five days later, you know, if maybe you have Scherzer pitch the series, the season finale, so then if they don't win the division, you likely don't have Scherzer to really pitch early on in that three-game series. You know, it's like that could end up being a big thing if they have to blow a, you know, blow a top-end starter at the end of the regular season to try to get a win. Um, I also don't know how tying for the division tiebreakers work. So if Atlanta and the Mets tie and they have to play a game 163, I don't know when that happens. I would assume on Thursday, which is like the solo off day for everybody. So then they wouldn't even have that extra day off. They'd have to play a game. <laughs> so you could see. Yeah. So you could see where like, you know, right now you have Philly and Milwaukee are fighting for like that final wild card spot. Um, San Diego could conceivably drop back down into that. I I don't think they will. They're two games up. Um, you know, not that they're like overly close to clinching, but I feel like San Diego doesn't have that tough of a schedule left. Maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe it's Philly that I'm thinking of. I feel like Phillies have like the weakest schedule left. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, sure. Yeah. So they're they're they just got beat up on. I feel like San Diego's got a hard one. They got fucking L.A. right now. They're on the Dodgers, you know. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe, oh, what am I doing, Alex? Wrong button. Um, oh, son of a bitch. Come on, man. Clicking, get... click too, too many times. <laughs> I know, it's, click too many times, and then it closed out the, the screen. Closed out the window I was looking at. Yeah, so the Dodgers are, so the Padres have the Dodgers, and then the White Sox, and then the Giants. And the Phillies currently have the Cubs and then the Nationals and then the Astros. Um, and one of the games against one of the days against the Nationals is a doubleheader. So they have 
two more against the Cubs because they lost tonight, two to one. Two against the Cubs, four against the Nationals, and then they close out against Houston, which will probably not be the Houston team that everyone knows and loves. I imagine that they will rest a few guys here or there because uh, they aren't playing for anything. They've already got stud backups, though. Um, they're, yeah, I mean, it's probably still a decent team, but it, yeah, you just, it's not – you know Yeah, it's not the same team. Um. And then Milwaukee, because San Francisco, I mean, they're on the verge of just mathematically being eliminated. Um, Milwaukee, they're gonna, yet. they're probably gonna lose tonight. Like they're they're down six two late to the Cardinals. I, I saw an interesting. Uh, this will be the first time that was it the Giants haven't gotten to play for the World Series when the when the flags were in the symbol. Or they maybe they've won it every year that the flags were in the World Series. So like this year, there's like two flags, and like it's like World Series. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, I don't. Interesting. It's just a weird stat. I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Gotcha. But... Oh, Angels immediately tie the game against the shitty essays. Great. <clears throat> Can't get no love and fancy. Nothing's breaking my way right now. Mm. Um, yeah, it's new, but it's Tuesday, dude. You gotta. I'm telling you, when you don't have the good Monday Tuesday, you end up having the good like back end week. So it's fair. Um, yeah. So, so Milwaukee has one more against the Cardinals and then they play Miami and Arizona. So not a very tough schedule there. Um, who was that? Uh, Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it'll be interesting. Um, and it, it becomes pretty relevant because obviously, you you know it's going to be some combination like some two of the three between San Diego, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee are going to make the playoffs. One of them is going to play at whoever doesn't win the the NL East, and then whoever finishes in that last wild card spot, that's who the Cardinals will get in the first round. So it is I I, I guess it's maybe unlucky that it could be so many teams. Because you don't, like, as the Cardinals, you don't really know who to prepare for. Um, obviously, first and foremost, Cardinals haven't, you know, haven't technically punched their ticket yet. Um, they're on the verge. I think their magic number is, like, three currently um, over Milwaukee. So, the win tonight would move that to one. Um, so, it would be, like, any Cardinal win or Milwaukee loss over the course of the rest of the year. The Cardinals clinch the Central. Um, and I think mathematically they are eliminated from being able, like, obviously the Dodgers have clinched the best record in the NL. And I think both the Mets and Atlanta have eliminated St. Louis in the sense that, um, I think like the magic number is, it was like one for the Mets and it was like, I think it was like three for Atlanta and so either way, because they had three games against each other, I think it's different now because I think Atlanta won yesterday and they won again today. Um, but before the games, in a three-game series with the Mets, either Atlanta had to win all three or the Mets had to win one. And so either one of those outcomes, the Cardinals couldn't wouldn't be able to catch whoever won the East. So it was like mathematically they're going to go to third as soon as they clinch the division. Um, but they probably won't know who they're going to play in that first round or who they'll host. 
um, until much later in the regular season. Um, and I really don't know, like, what would be ideal. Like, they their offense just struggled hardcore against the Padres pitching. Um, I don't know how much of that I didn't really watch in the games. I don't know how much of that was, like, due to the ginormous ballpark that Petco Park is. Um, or, like, if it was just, like, their pitching shut them down, and that that's just how it was. <clears throat> but they didn't see... Um, they didn't see Darvish in that series. I think it was Clevenger, Snell, and Musgrove. So like they, so they didn't see the Padres' best pitcher. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> that doesn't bode very well. Um, or you could get Milwaukee, who the Cardinals and Milwaukee play each other tough all year, but in a three-game series, you're probably getting what Woodruff, Burns, and someone else. They're another one of their starting pitchers that the team should theoretically be way better than what they are. I forget who their number three is. Um, probably like, I, I would guess maybe like Freddie Peralta. And they also have Hauser and Lauer. But, you know, you, you, ha you have to at least beat Burns or Woodruff. If not both, if you beat them both, then you don't worry about their number three. But... You have to at least beat Burns or Woodruff, and it's just, it's forever one of those situations that, you know, you're facing two good pitchers. Those two easily could end up throwing, like, 16 shutout innings, <laughs> and the the Cardinals are just out before you know what happened. Um, so that's always a scary matchup in a short series like that. Um, and then Philadelphia, they have their, um, what, uh, Nola, they brought in Syndergaard. That would be like the worst team for me to like have to fucking watch. <clears throat> Just watch Bryce Harper do anything. <laughs> yeah, and then... or our new favorite player on that team. What's his name? Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> Kyle can't hit home runs when it matters. Schwarber. Yeah, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. He's definitely yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like on on paper, we always talk about like how good the team looks, <laughs> but yeah. I mean. But it's like, you know, probably you're looking at like Nola, Wheeler, Syndergaard, you know, may, maybe Gibson. I don't like, but they also have like oh, Eflin. They have Ranger Suarez. So it's like they they have enough good starting pitching arms. Like there's six of them that theoretically could be on their playoff roster. So it's like, oh, you, you know, you got Nola's pitch count up. Cool. Like they'll just bring in Gibson and Gibson will eat four innings too. And now you've still had to face uh, a decent starter for eight innings of that game. You know, so it's just a, it's a very tall order. Um, and I think that it's, it would be difficult to have a game plan if you only have like two days that you know who you're playing. Um, especially if it stays in a situation where like it could be any of the three of them, you know? So you're just like, Oh man, rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll suck, but 
is what it is. You're you're gonna try to line up your pitchers the one two three order that you want, regardless of that team, probably because it's not like you have. Um, I mean, you're gonna pitch Wainwright, Michaelis, and uh, what at this point? <laughs> I'm getting if you if you go base it off of you know like recent performances. Like, Quintana's probably their best performer as of late. Yeah. Um, Wayno's dealing with this bout of dead arm. Um, so part of me almost wonders if, like, they don't just, like, put him on the IL and let him continue to pitch, like, just bullpen sessions, you know, bullpen sessions, you know, simulated games, whatever, but just not in a game situation. So, like, you can try to let him get his confidence back. Um, and then maybe you just have him start one game, you know, or, or maybe, like, because I think they've shifted around the rotation a little bit, and I think Wayno's slated to pitch, like, the final regular season home game against Pittsburgh or something like that. So maybe, you like, you just let it be that, that one game. Um, but if he, if he doesn't do well again, like, part of you, like, starts to wonder, like, okay, well, you know, can we rely on this? Like, what does it do to our bullpen if Wayno goes out and only goes three innings again. Right. You're going to have to have Palante like on the ready. <clears throat> He's going to go, you know, that whole, he might go three or four innings or pick whoever. They're going to have to go three or four innings. Yeah. It'd be scary. Right. But if you don't play him. Yeah. Then, then what are you doing? You're also <laughs> probably going to play someone that's only going to go a couple innings. Right. Um, yeah, I so get... at that point in time, you try to just probably try to keep Wayne. Yeah, you got to roll the dice so, on Wayne. Yeah, I think like if a you... later game, I yeah, think, if... I mean, honestly, if you get him more pressure, I think he steps up. You know? Yeah, like if you uh, if you don't go with Wayne, and you're two, it. yeah, and you're two and out, like you just lose both games and you're done. Then yeah. it's always like, what if? You know, like what or... if we just would have given Wayne the ball? Imagine if you don't give him the ball, then he's like, "Well, I got to come back next year." So maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe, you back, maybe, maybe you don't want him back next year. Yeah, it definitely like seems like his age is catching in. up to him pretty quick here. Uh, but and maybe he'll like internalize that himself and be like, "I just got to give this thing one last run," you know, just to see what I can do. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. But <clears throat> we know Ali; he. Um, Wainwright's going to do whatever Wainwright wants to do. If yeah, Wainwright's going to start game, pitch one. game one. <laughs> yeah, if he, if he wants one. to pitch game one, he's going to pitch game one. Uh, it doesn't really matter what Ali Marmol says. It doesn't It doesn't matter at all. So. Right. Like, my my thinking on it is strictly based on what Wainwright's numbers have looked like his yeah. last couple starts. Um. And it's and it's not even like they like been atrocious, um, like don't don't get me wrong, like they they haven't been good, um, and they've been real bad for Adam Wainwright, but all in all, like they're not they're not absolute like duds through September, um, you know he's only gone six innings once and it was against the Padres, he only went three innings against the Dodgers. Um, and then the three starts before San Diego, he only, he went five in all three of them. 
Um, but I think what is alarming to me is in those five starts that he's made in September, he it was the Cubs and the Nationals who were two just bottom of the barrel teams. Um, he gave up four runs over five innings to both of them. Um, and he only had two strikeouts in both games. Um, he didn't walk anybody against the Nationals, but he had two walks against um, the Cubs, which one or two walks has been more regular for Wayno, but typically he has pretty good command. I know we had a couple like four walk starts in August, but I'm not overly worried about those. But now he's walked um, two guys. He walked two guys against Milwaukee, um, two guys against San Diego, and then he had three walks against the Dodgers. And again, those were in abbreviated starts in the terms of Adam Wainwright, um, you know, where he kind of labored to get through, you know, those five or six innings. Um, you know, just, just not, just all around, like, not good performances. Like, his ERA in September has ballooned from like 3.09 to 3.51. So for your ERA to go up like half a run on the year over five starts when you're in September, I feel like that's a pretty significant change. Um, so that that's from like, okay, like do you start to worry about this at all that he hasn't really had effective outings in his last three outings, he's dealing with this, you know, quote unquote dead arm. And the teams he's been facing are playoff ask caliber teams in Milwaukee, San Diego, and LA. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a weird spot, but I mean, I feel like, like you said, like if he, he's going to get the ball, I don't think you can theoretically make the decision. Like, if you start Wayno and he gets rocked, I think every like that's a way easier pill to swallow than yeah, you yeah. start, you know, Jordan Montgomery in game one and he gets lit the fuck up. And you're like, what are we doing here? Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. There's nothing I mean the fan base will if you lose with Wainwright on the mountain, it'll just be a tough loss. They'll get over that quickly. If you lose and Wainwright didn't play, you'll hear about it all off season. They won't forget it. It'll be the one thing to hold on to, especially if he retires. Yeah. Um, so like uh, they him, him retiring from just riding the bench in the dugout, not yep. injured. Yep. Um, and then, <laughs> and then Michaelis has been, he's been decent. He's been good. He just isn't getting the results. Like he hasn't gotten really any run support. Um, in four September starts, he's gone. Um, Eight innings, five innings, six innings, six innings. The Cardinals are one and three in those games, and they scored two runs against the Cubs in a two nothing win. Lost eight to two against the Pirates. Lost three to two against the Reds, and lost one to nothing against the Padres. So he's gotten like six runs of run support in those what 12, 17, 25 innings that he's pitched. Um, in those games as a whole. So it's not like just during the time frame he's on the mound, but in in the game total, that's all he's gotten. Um, but yeah, uh, we haven't even mentioned, I mean, the pitcher we traded for, the lefty. I mean, I mean, <laughs> true, true. We'll get there. 
Um, but the other thing, so Michaelis didn't have, so from July 25th through September 8th, Michaelis made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight starts, and he never walked more than one guy. And then in the three starts since then, where he has struggled and hasn't pitched as deep in games, those walks have crept up a little bit where he's walked two guys, walked three guys, walked two guys. Um, and the hits have gone up like his, his, it's like just the whip from Cardinals pitchers is much higher than what it has been. Um, you know, granted like in August they were fucking beating everybody. So it is what it is. Um, but so you're like, okay, like we don't have, the numbers aren't showing that Michaelis and Wayno are at their best currently. So you hope that that kind of get, you know, you're hoping for that course correction. Um, Flaherty has had one good start all year out of like the five that he's made. He hasn't been very effective at all. So I don't feel like you can really hang your head on that. And then Montgomery who got traded at the trade deadline for Bader and everyone was like, Oh my God, this is a steal. This is the best move the Cardinals have ever made. What is, you know, what are the Yankees doing? This is absolute robbery. And Montgomery looked amazing for what five starts. And now he's looked pretty bad. I guess maybe it was like six starts. Um, but he's looked really, really bad over the course of the last three. Um, and I will say that I think that there's a trend that's there. Um, and it's that, you know, he is starting to get hit way more. Um, like in his first start against the Yankees, he gave up two hits over five innings. Um, Milwaukee, he limited to four hits over, over six innings. Um, it was really only the... Um, Atlanta game where he gave up eight hits over five innings and took a no decision, but he was like one hit over nine innings against the Cubs. So he, he shut them down, um, let up no runs over six innings against the Cubs again, uh, one run over six and two thirds against the nationals. But so you notice here, it's like the Cubs, the Cubs, the nationals, the Rockies, you know, like those are the teams that he had really strong performances against. It was the Yankees and uh, Milwaukee and Atlanta and Milwaukee that it was always, he only went like five or six innings. Like he pitched effective enough. And then I think he finally kind of got exposed facing a team that, you know, is the top echelon in baseball right now. And the Dodgers, when he got tagged for three home runs, uh, which is the most he's given up in a game. And he did it in three innings. Um, or maybe might even be like the first two innings that he got tagged for those home runs. Um, so you're just like, all right, like, are you like your, your workload is getting up there as well. Like you're at 180 innings. I don't know what he was hitting, you know, previous seasons, uh, with the Yankees. I feel like it could have been much higher than that. Um, let's see. Yeah. So he, he has never pitched more than 157 innings in a season so he's already surpassed that so is it a situation where you know like he's starting to run out of steam like that fastball that's been so great since he became a cardinal 
is that starting to get hit? Um, and then who's the other one? Jose Quintana. Yeah, I mean, teams won't take a tape on you. I mean, they'll figure that shit out quick. Especially someone, as soon as someone gets to you, they're just going to watch that tape. <laughs> right, like, oh, how did how did they, how did this team hit them? Um, and then Quintana's like really the opposite. Like he started out pretty well when he came over, um, you know, going six, you know, five, six innings, one, two runs every time out. He's never given up more than two runs as a Cardinal. Um, but he just never really pitched deep into games. Uh, sorry, he's never got more than two earned runs. He had a couple games where he gave up more runs, but only two of them were earned. Um, you know, so he just has never really gone deep until his last start where he went, you know, pitched eight innings of two-hit ball, but again, it was against the Reds, and they're terrible. Um, he had a solid outing, one run over five and two-thirds against the Pirates, but he did follow it up with the six and two-thirds scoreless against the Dodgers, and that was the Friday night game where Pujols hit 700 uh, with the two home runs. And they had, like, Andrew Heaney start, who's, like, probably not even going to sniff their playoff <laughs> roster. Um, and then it was, like, all their, like, their other bullpen guys. Like, I think there was, like, one recognizable name, really, that pitched out of the Dodgers bullpen. And he had, like, a 1-2-3 inning. And then, like, the Cardinals got to everyone else. Um, and that was the game that they kind of like broke out um, for the 11 runs and finally showed like some semblance of an offense after just being terrible for so many games before that. Um, but I, so I think like the, the takeaway for me though, is like you said, the, the Cardinals rotation is going to be the Cardinals rotation. I don't think that the short notice will impact that at all. Um, I think you're you're probably gonna go with some combination of you know prob it's probably Wayno game one, Michaelis game two, and then if there's a game three, you'll figure it out depending on who you're matching up against. Um, whether you think a lefty would be more effective, or maybe you come in with like a Flaherty in that situation if you think he's earned that spot. Wrapping up the year here. Um, a lot of things they can do with the game three, but I think you just hope that you're not in that scenario. Like you just take the first two and you call yeah. it a day. Um, but where I think the short notice really impacts the Cardinals is their offense is prone to just disappear. Um, so with less prep work, like there are times where they know in advance, like who they're going to be matching up with and they sort of look lost at the plate. Like they just look like, they were overmatched for a series like the San Diego series, I think really sticks out for that. Um, and granted, like they got to Mosgrove, but really it was like the two big home runs. Um, what I think Donovan hit the grand slam and Newt Barr added a solo shot or maybe the other way around or whatever. So it was really like two key hits that accounted for all five of their runs. Um, and I think that like the, the grand slam came on like the heels of two walks. Like, so it wasn't even like they were just, you know, single, single, single grand slam. Moving as around. <clears throat> yeah. So it was, uh, so it wasn't a lot to hang your head on, but it was very welcomed after being shut out for three games straight and not scoring an earned run for 45 innings or whatever the hell it was. Um, but so that, and then that's, but that's the same offense that also scored 11 runs against the Dodgers, which call it what you will. 
they sure maybe it's not their best pitchers, but they're still major league pitchers that are good enough to be on a team that's won 106 games. So I'm not going to say that they're terrible. Like it's not like it was, you know, a bunch of high schoolers that they were toting out there. Um, and 11 runs is still a lot. Like I, I know Kansas city, you know, they're capable of scoring 11 runs in an inning sometimes, but 11 runs in a game is an impressive number. <clears throat> so you just, you worry that if they have less time to prep for what they're going to be seeing from a pitching staff, not even the starters, like the starters, maybe, you know, when you can see tape on, but if you don't know how they're going to utilize their bullpen, so you kind of got to be prepared for everybody coming out of the pen, um, especially a team like Philadelphia, where we said like they have six starters. So you could not see the normal guys coming out of the bullpen. You could see a different look for another starter. If they can mix and match like power with off speed or whatever, and like really accentuate, different looks for their pitching staff. I, I think it just becomes more difficult. Like I think pitching always has the upper hand in the playoffs. And I think if the Cardinals are going to just get dominated in a series, it's going to be because their offense gets shut down. Like, I think their pitching is just going to kind of do what it's done all year. Like they, they have the propensity of throwing an absolute gem they have the propensity of getting absolutely shelled. They're probably realistically going to land somewhere in the middle where their starters go five or six innings, let up maybe a run or two. Maybe they walk a guy. They give up a handful of hits. Maybe it's like one run on a home run, you know, whatever. But they're going to keep the Cardinals in the game through the first five or six innings would be the smart bet with the Cardinals pitching so far this year. <clears throat> But if the Cardinals don't score any runs in the first two games, <laughs> can't win games. Yeah, if they go there and show up like they did with Atlanta, you know. Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what team you get. And I'm glad they went through their 45 or 42 or however. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely, yeah, definitely a lot nicer to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And, but they still got some questions, you know. They're still got. Which are uh, going to be a hard road ahead in the playoffs. The NL is going to be just hard in general. Yeah, I I don't think that there's really an easy matchup on either side. I think this will be very tough, and it is a completely different dynamic. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens for teams that have like the, you know, those first round buys, like because it's it's a minimum, you know, four days off for those teams because. You're, I think you're, you get, everyone has Thursday off. Um, so that's next Thursday, October 6th is an off day for all of baseball, which they typically have. Cause I'm assuming that's when they would play tiebreakers if they need to have them. And then every wild card series. So all four of them, they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no, no days off or anything. And then I believe it's like Monday is a universal off day for everybody. So for the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and whoever wins the NL East, they're going to play on Wednesday, and then they have an off day on the 6th, the 7th, the 8th, the 9th, and possibly the 10th, I think. And I, it could be that the NL starts on the 10th, but I don't think so. Um, let me see. Uh, MLB playoff schedule. Um, 
Yeah, so... Well, that's, I don't think this is what I'm looking for. Nope. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah, so... The opener of all four AL and NL Division Series are scheduled for Tuesday, October 11th. Yep, okay. So... They're... So they're going to play on the 5th, and then it's five days off that they have without playing competitive baseball for those four teams. <clears throat> and, you know, while, yes, maybe there is the disadvantage that the teams that are playing in the wildcard series have to use their pitchers, um, uh, you know, in the series ahead, you know, like you're going to have everyone well-rested, everyone in your bullpen is going to be ready to go, and maybe you have to tap into your bullpen all three nights in those three games, and you're just a little bit more taxed, and it's more games you have to win. Because uh, I think right now, I think like 12 wins is what it took to win a World Series if you were a wild card team. And I guess now it would be 13, right? Two, three, yeah, four and four. Yeah, so... So it'd be 13 wins. So if you're in that wild card series, you would you would be the first team if you win the World Series. You'd be the first team to win 13 games in the postseason. Um. But then I think I. I think I brought this up before, that there's like one other oddity. Um, so all four, all four of the division series start on Tuesday, October 11th, but then the AL gets Wednesday off. So there's a day off between game one and game two. Um, the NL, they get the normal travel day off between game two and game three. And then there's no day off for between game four and game five. So, so the, the NL, for example, it, let's say a series goes five games. They play game one, game two, off day, game three, game four, game five. So it's series starts on October 11th, and it wraps up on October 16th, if necessary. So one, two, three, four, so five games in six days. The AL side, they have game one, off day, game two, game three, um, or sorry, game one off day, game two off day, game three, game four, game five. Well, they're just gonna take more days off. Than <laughs> yeah, so so they get so the AL teams There's get an extra day off. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and really, like it is, I it is a disadvantage I think to the to the NL teams that play in the wild card series. And it is a disadvantage to the AL teams that don't play in the wildcard series. You know, it's like, let's say, let's, let's take the Cardinals for an example. And let's just say it's Wayno, Michaelis, Montgomery pitch game one, two, and three. So it goes three and that's where it's at. So you have Wayno pitches game one on the seventh. So you have the eighth, ninth, 10th. You could come back and pitch on... Uh, he could pitch game one 
on three days rest. Let's just assume that they don't go that route. So you have your number four pitcher, let's just say it's Quintana, you know, or Flaherty, whatever, take your pick, pitches game one of the NLDS, and then you're able to come back with Wayno on normal rest, Michaelis on normal rest, Montgomery on normal rest, and you would probably need to use a different pitcher because they will one, two, three. No, and then so you would have your game one starter back for game five um, on normal rest. But the AL side, so the so the Cardinals, they, they miss out on that early portion. If they wanted to bring Wayno back on short rest, they would also then bring Michaelis back on short rest which is where it gets. So at some point they have to use a fifth, a fourth pitcher or throw multiple guys on short rest. The AL, they have the same thing happen. Let's say, let's take Seattle. Cause we know their three are going to be, let's just say it's Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. So those three pitch Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they could bring Ray back on short rest for game one on the 11th or sorry, Castillo back for short rest on game for game one, but then they get Ray and Gilbert on normal rest for games two and three. And the NL teams don't get that. They'd have to throw two guys on short rest and the AL teams only have to throw one and they wrap up a day later. You think that, Oh, maybe it'll all come out in the wash. Kind of, I guess if it goes to like, if the NLCS goes to seven games and the ALCS goes to seven games, the NLCS gets an extra off day before the World Series starts. But there's no extra time between the LDS and the LCS because the LCS starts a day earlier. So, like, the NL team wouldn't recoup that extra day off until they make it to the World Series. Yeah, yeah, but then... <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, dude, okay. how how is this same-same? Like, how are you... Like, how... I, I just don't get it. Like, I think it's crazy to me that this is the route they went with scheduling. And it's like the the reason behind it is because they didn't want there to be off days where nobody was playing. So if they had both, you know, or if they had all four LDS games start on Tuesday and play the same cadence, then on Thursday, October 13th, there wouldn't be any playoff games. So they'll have four on that first day and then just the NL play on day two and then just the AL play on game three, just the NL play on game four on day four for the LDS. And it's like, is that really relevant? Like, is it angels giving it up? Oh, nice. Is it Sandoval giving it up? Uh, yep. Yep. Did you give up a homer? Hasn't updated uh, yeah, on CBS I mean, yet. Yeah. Hasn't hasn't yet, but he's uh, got a couple guys on base. Ah, uh, okay. You know. Yeah, he's he, in the process of. I mean, there's two outs though. He could get out of it. Oh, there's two outs. Yeah. I just looked up and thought I saw, uh, the outfielder like poof the ball. Yeah, that's definitely. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh. Looks like first and third with two outs is what I'm seeing. But, you know, any any of this, like, adding to pitch count and, you know, getting him deeper, you know, pulling him early, like, I'll I'll take that. Like I said, like, 
my big thing here was I just didn't want Sandoval to bury me. Um, a lot of games are wrapping up. Um, I think he still has Drury playing and oh, Alvarez, did he get hurt? Leaves with ankle issue. That could be a big deal if Alvarez is out for the rest of the week. Who? Jordan Alvarez. Oh. <laughs> and they're not. Oh, gonna, yeah. They're obviously not going to push him. They aren't playing for anything. Yeah, they're definitely not pushing him. <laughs> so if he needs some time off, he'll. That was uh, a perfect time. Yeah, I'll take it. This bag is a huge Astros. I'm. Love I'm not. Him. I'm. I'm a huge fan of the Astros sitting Jordan Alvarez. Right. Loves Kyle Tucker now. <laughs> I do love, love Kyle Tucker. I'm. I'm on board with Ryan Presley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm. I'm just, you know, what do you want from me, dude? I'm rooting for the Dodgers and the Astros. <laughs> I'm everything I've come to hate, Chris. Thanks for calling it out, man. Hey, hey, I just want to, I just want to let you know. Last year, when I had Kyle Tucker and Freddie Freeman on my team, dude, we didn't, you know, mm-hmm. make it all the way, dude. So it's, it's true. I, I have had a better outcome, um, in this playoffs than you did in last playoffs. That's for sure. Um, but it's all right, dude. Like, yeah. it all. You know, you, you also had, like, you almost got to the point where your two big trade partners faced off in the finals. Like, that your team, yeah, like your selflessness and your actions as a GM almost got us both there. But, you know, Travis just came up short. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get it done, but I, I'm at least playing in the finals. I'm, I'm happy about that, you know, after not making the playoffs last year. It was, yeah. it was a long off season. Heard that. <laughs> At least I it, move, yeah. I'm already in. Yeah, the you, yeah, you already have hard. something going on. Like, and yeah. for me, I had to like fucking pay everybody out and like pay attention <laughs> to who was winning. And I was like, yeah, fuck, like, and I was out of it. Like, I was eliminated from the playoffs with, like four weeks to go. Um, like before the playoffs started, so it's like the last two months. I was like, I, I just don't even care about fantasy. Yeah. um but uh yeah so it it, uh i think that there is a lot of meaningful baseball left um i think it will be fun um yeah it looks like sandoval got out of it but he's at like 75 pitches through four innings so if they can just get him to throw like 15 20 pitches next inning and he's at like 90 95 pitches maybe they'll just pull him after five no quality start. Hopefully LA just doesn't take the lead. No win. Maybe he even gives up a run and he takes the L. Like that would be cool. But at this point, like I had nine starts to his eight. So Beaver put up six and a half points. So if Sandoval can just put up less than six and a half points, I'm like, okay, if, if my pitching can just match with his, I feel like my offense can beat his, um, you know, they've come back down to earth a little bit. He's only hitting, you know, he's 9 for 27 now. He was 9 for 21. So it was, like, close to 500. Now he's, like, 333. Um, but I'm just hoping that uh, Turner or Freeman can just run into one, uh, put up some points. Neither one of them had big weeks last week. So just hoping they get it going. Yeah, are there? Are you afraid the Dodgers sit players at some point in time? Um, so I think that there is the possibility that they do. Um, 
I think part of me is also that, like, I think they just recently tied, like, their franchise win record. Mm-hmm. Um, at, like, when they hit 106, I think that's where they were at last year. Um, so I think that they will want to kind of push past that. Um, they also haven't clinched home field advantage throughout the entirety of the playoffs yet. Um, I think the Astros could still technically catch them. Um, and the magic number for that is at like four still. Um, and obviously the Astros are probably going to win tonight. So they're up eight to one late if they haven't already won. Oh, sorry. It's eight to two. Um, <clears throat> so, so I think that they, they will still want to make that happen. Um, I think there's also like a small part of them that would like to play spoiler for the Padres. You know, like just a little little rivalry going on there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, like, maybe towards the end of the season, sure. But there's also, like I said, like there's that built-in five days off that they're going to get. It's like, really, do you want to give, you know, more time off for these guys? Like, yes, I get that, like, something could happen and they could get hurt in a game. But... You know, that, that could be the case at any time. So I feel like, you know, you don't want to do that. Like you, you would rather have them keep their timing. So I'm not I'm not as worried about position players. It's more like our starting pitchers that I think could get shifted around. Um, you know, like the ones that I was looking at, like Bieber pitched tonight. And then he's scheduled to pitch again, like on October 2nd. And I think that I'm likely fine for that start. Cause then it would, if he pitched on the second, it would be like four days before his next scheduled start. Um, but I think that there's like, he only threw 90 pitches tonight and that's on the low end for him. Um, like typically he's more like a hundred, 105 type guy. So I think under normal circumstances early in the year, you would have seen him go back out for the seventh. I think they will probably keep him on a similar pitch count. So like he probably won't go super deep into games. Um, but like Darvish is currently pro- like projected to start on October 5th, which is the final day of the regular season. And the only way in hell he makes that start is if the Padres are still fighting for a playoff spot. If they have clinched by that point, they are not going to pitch him on the fifth. They will utilize him in game one of the wild card series, and he will just pitch two days later on the seventh. So the odds are I'm going to lose that start. Um, Like Milwaukee, they're the same way. They have Corbin Burns slated to pitch October 4th. So it's like, well, if they utilize him for October 4th, he would be pitching on short rest if he pitches game one or game two in the wild card series. But if they haven't clinched a playoff spot, then obviously he will probably still pitch. So it's like, maybe he loses that start. Maybe he doesn't. Um, Logan Gilbert for him slated to pitch October 5th, just like Darvish. If they haven't pitched in the fifth, he's pitching on short rest for sure in game three. Like he wouldn't, even, he probably wouldn't even be available for game one or two at that point. So odds are if Seattle has locked up a playoff spot, which is questionable, 
But if they have, he probably isn't making that start. You know, so the only way he probably makes that start is if Seattle's still fighting for a playoff spot on the last day of the season. Um, so it's like there's these big projections. I have eight starts left. He has eight with one currently underway, so seven after this. But it might be more like he has five starts left and I have six starts left. Sure. You know, uh, you know, there's a, and like, then there's always like the weird one-offs that like the White Sox aren't playing for anything. So maybe like they just mm. don't, maybe they just don't risk Dylan C's getting hurt and they don't start him. There's like, eh, like we're just gonna, we're going to have this other guy start or like Atlanta, like maybe they opt to not have Kyle Wright pitch if things just fall off the rails. Uh, Cause I think he's pre- predicted the pitch the second game against the Mets and it's against DeGrom. So like, maybe there's like, ah, we're, we're not gonna, we, we aren't going to throw him here. Cause we, we don't want to use right against the Mets now. And then if we face the Mets later, we throw him again, you know, whatever, some weird shit. I don't know. Um, or like Cole, you know, is predicted to pitch October 4th. But it's like, maybe the Yankees are just like, we have five days off. This doesn't mean anything for us. We don't want to risk you getting hurt. We'll just have you throw a bullpen session, and we aren't going to start you on the fourth. We'll just throw somebody else. You focus in on, you know, the these matchups with Cleveland or Seattle, you know, or Cleveland or Baltimore, whoever we end up playing. You know, whatever. So there's, like, tons of different ways that I could see it going. So I'm just like, all right, we're both kind of in the same boat. I just hope that it's either it affects us both evenly or it just totally screws Nick. And that's it. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's where I'm at. I just don't want to be the one that like all my guys sat and none of his guys did. And that's why I lose. I'm fine with winning that way, but I don't want to lose that way. Uh, dude, how odd is it that uh, the Yankees and the Cardinals both clinched their division in the same night? Did the Cardinals clincher division tonight? Yeah, this is what everything's saying. St. Louis Cardinals headed back to the postseason for their fourth consecutive year. The Cardinals now oh, did it. insurmountable seven and a half game lead over the Brewers, who sit in second place. More to come. Hmm, Cardinals win NL Central for the fifth time in ten years. So I wonder if there is no. Um, it looks like tiebreakers are like Rutgers. yeah if it's like head to head like if it's not a game 163 yeah yeah because yeah, i would assume with it being at seven and a half because the because the brewers are at like the the cardinals are at like 162 so basically how you figure out a magic number is it's 163 minus the better teams wins and then minus the the lower teams losses so like in this case it would be like 163 minus 90 for the Cardinals wins minus 72 for the Brewers. And if that number is 0 or negative, then that they, they can't be caught essentially. And they're like 90 plus 72, like Cardinal wins versus Brewer losses is 162. So they could technically tie um if the Cardinals lose the rest of their games and the Brewers win the rest of their games, they would finish with identical records. Um. So, so my assumption would be then that tiebreaker is like head to head, in which case I'm assuming 
that means the Cardinals have a like have clinched the win the season series against Milwaukee. Yeah. Um. So then I would imagine that there is some aspect for Atlanta and the Mets that they obviously wouldn't play a tiebreaker game then to see who wins the division and just go to head to head, which I have no idea like what their season series is at. Uh, let's see. Um, but see so now that we've kind of been all over the place cause we, <clears throat> so I didn't know. So Cardinals clinch, which is cool. Yankees clinch. Cool. We know their seedings, <laughs> so it's just a matter of who they're going to face. Um, Yankees guaranteed for that first round bye. Unable to catch Houston, so they're locked into number two. Cardinals can't catch any of the other division winners, so they're locked into number three. Um, yeah, I thought as we got towards the end of the regular season, we would be discussing like where Pujols is at for his you know, trek for 700 that happened way earlier than I anticipated. Um, when we made the bet, I mean, I think the only person that expected it to happen Friday night in LA was Greg Amzinger. (laughs) He just, you know, Marty McFly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. I'll, I'll take it. First guy got out after three Oh count, but it was five pitches. So, if, if, like I said, if they can get to like that 15 pitch mark and get them to 90 pitches, maybe they'll just pull them and turn it over to the bullpen. Um, yeah, and then I thought, so I thought that there'd be a lot to talk about for the Cardinals, like not so much because I figured that they would just run away with the division. I know we talked about, um, you know, two weeks ago when we were recording, I made the comment that once the Cardinals get to 87 wins, that that pretty much secures the division for me. Cause I don't think the Brewers will get there. Um, I still think that that's accurate. Um, the Brewers are 82 and 72. So what they have eight games left, right? One fifty four. Yes. They have eight games left. So they would have to go like six and two in those eight games in order to, uh, to get to 88 wins. I don't think they will do that. Um, so I, like I said, I feel like the Cardinals clinched a while ago because I didn't think Milwaukee was going to play well enough to catch them. Um, but yeah, I thought we would have like Pools' chase for 700, and I thought we would have Goldschmidt making a run at the Triple Crown because it wasn't, but you know what, maybe two weeks ago even maybe less than that, like more recent than that, that he was like <laughs> yeah. leading all three. Yep. Um, and now like he's not leading any of them. The last I looked and some of them, he's like well behind or all of them. He's well behind. Um, I didn't look at where things were at after play yesterday, but I know going into play on Monday, uh, Goldschmidt was tied for a second and batting average with Jeff McNeil at 317, but Freeman's batting 328. It's like that's a pretty big gap like to pick up 11 points on somebody in 10 games. Um, he was fifth now in home runs. Like he had dropped down and was like tied for fifth. And Shorber was at number one with 42 home runs. And I feel like Goldschmidt was like tied for first at 35 at one point. And then just hasn't hit a home run. And 
I don't know how long. Um, and that, so I'm sure he'll hit a whole bunch of home runs this week. So I'm playing him in the finals. So I'm sure he'll just tear it up. Um, yeah. <laughs> like him and Dill, him and Dylan Carlson, like both went two for four, two doubles tonight, or I guess Colchman only had one double, but two hits. Uh, yeah, and I think like constantly like Goldschmidt was getting hits that drove in Carlson. I was like, this is the fucking most annoying thing in the world. Like, stop teaming up on me. Um, and then RBIs, he was right there with Alonzo, and then Alonzo had like 13 RBIs last week. So he's number he's number two at 112. I know he got to tonight, so he's a little bit higher. Um. But Alonzo was number one at 128 going into play yesterday. I don't know what he did yesterday, but I know he hit a home run and had three RBIs tonight. So he's at least one more ahead of Goldschmidt now. Um, So it went from like triple crown watch to Goldschmidt probably isn't going to lead the league in anything, um, but probably should still win MVP in my opinion. Um, would have been nice, but yeah. And then, you know, Cardinals got to 90 wins. So like, that's no longer a concern. They don't have enough games left to get to the hundred win mark. Um, but like 90 to 95 wins, I think is what we've kind of always talked about. We thought this Cardinals team would be at, um, I think they underperformed pretty early in the year. Then they went on their good run in August, kind of got back where they needed to be. Um, and maybe not even struggled, but I think they played a very tough schedule in the first half of the year you know, pre-All-Star break and then post-All-Star break, they had a relatively easy schedule and they beat up on the teams that they should. Um, Maybe they could have got to 100 wins if they didn't struggle so much with, like, dropping a couple games to Cincinnati or the Cubs or Pittsburgh. Um, But it's like there just isn't... I feel like there isn't much to talk about for the Cardinals for the rest of the year. (laughs) Like, it... I feel like we like maybe if someone gets hurt, you know, or if, yeah, the team like struggling at some insane clip. But other than that, like everything's kind of done. Um, but then on the Yankee side, where I didn't think we'd have anything to talk about, now that they've clinched, like I figured this would kind of be around that time frame that they would clinch. Um, it seemed like they would clinch way earlier and we'd be shooting for them to get to like a hundred wins. Um, mm. I think it's still possible. Like they got, they won game 95 tonight. Um, so I think they could still get there. Uh, I think it's still pretty likely that they get to a hundred wins, um, which is always like a good plateau to hit. Um, but they, they can't catch Houston. They can't be caught by anybody. But we have Judge chasing his version of home run history where he he failed to beat Ruth outright. He tied him, which I think he's the first guy to do that. Because obviously, what I've talked about before, Ruth hit his 60 home runs in a 154-game season. And tonight was game 154 for the Yankees. And Judge is at 60. Um, I do think he got to 60 quicker than Ruth. But either way, like he didn't surpass him. Um so he at least tied Ruth in 154 games. <clears throat> and then, so now he has eight more. He needs one to tie Maris for the all-time AL single season record. Two more, obviously, to pass him. Um, so we'll continue to see if that'll happen. Um, 
I think he will hands down win RBIs. He's like 11 ahead of Jose Ramirez. Um, and I don't know, like, well, I guess, I guess Ramirez could catch him. Ramirez had two today. Um, and I don't think judge had any, cause all he does is walk now. Uh, he had four yeah, walks I, tonight. <laughs> I was, uh, someone had posted like judge's stats since his last home run. I was like, Ooh, that'll turn around. And I figured I saw it earlier this morning. I was like, that'll turn around. It's dinger Tuesday. Yeah. It did not. Oh, for yeah, one with pay. four walks. Yeah, but it's our fault. We didn't bet on him. You know, yeah, we but bet on him, you know. that's fair. But really what we need to do is bet on somebody else in that game. And then judge for bet, sure would have hit a home run. I'm going to bet on all the pitchers to not hit up, not let up home runs. Yeah. <laughs> and he would have hit a home run off of all of them. Yeah. He would have took Cole deep. Don't ask me how, yep. but that's where we would have been. That's how it would have worked. Um. Yeah, and then he's like back and forth for our. So he's he's battling with Ramirez with you know, I don't know. I I feel like there's the possibility that Ramirez maybe sits a little bit as they get closer since they're not playing for anything. Um, but they're already at one forty, one six or one fifty four. So I think they only have like eight games left. And he's at least nine RBIs back from Judge, so he would still have to pick up. Like you'd have to have solid numbers, an RBI in every game for the rest of the year, and at least a two RBI game in one of them. And Judge do absolutely nothing for the rest of the year to catch him. Um, home run wise, Judge is at 60. Second place is Alvarez and Trout, who are tied at 37. No one's catching him there. So it really comes down to like the batting average race on whether or not he can, you know, win the triple crown. Cause I feel like home runs for sure. He's first um, RBIs. He's like right there. Um, I'm going to see if this is updated. Yeah. So 128 Ramirez is at 119. Kyle Tucker's at 104. Oh, so I don't, I as much as I would love if Tucker had you know got 25 RBIs the rest of the regular season because that would just be phenomenal for my fantasy team. I don't think it'll happen. <clears throat> but so I think Judge is is probably a shoe in to win the home run crown and RBI crown in the AL. But batting average, he's hitting 314 right now. Uh, Bogarts has dropped off a bit. He's dropped down to 310. But then uh, Luis Arias for the Twins is hitting 313. Um, and he's kind of been there consistently. And I also don't know if Arias plays every day because he's only played in like 139 games. Whereas like Judge and Bogarts are closer to like the 150 mark. Um, which do- 10 games doesn't seem like a lot in the grand scheme, but it's, you know, a week and a half of him not playing. So him, if he sits a game or two, it could certainly be like, oh, there's no change in this. Um, and if Judge is getting walked, being patient at the plate, then there's the possibility that like he goes like, oh, for one with four walks like he did tonight. So he's only hurting his batting average. Um, but at the same time, if he goes like one for two, then he's obviously moving it in the right direction. Um, so yeah, so where I thought we would have Pujols history 
and Goldschmidt Triple Crown watch to look at for the Cardinals, and there would be nothing for the Yankees. <laughs> it's the opposite. Like, kind of out of nowhere, Judge just went on his tear for hitting-wise and got his batting average up, because I feel like that's the number that wasn't really ever there. Um, so I'm like, let's see. Like, this, this has to be nearing, like, Judge's best batting average performance in a single season in his career. Um, yeah, like last year was his career high and he hit 287. So I think the, the big question was always going to be, you know, could judge ever be a, an average hitter, you know, hit for average. And he's doing that this year. Um, but he leads like all major leagues and runs scored home runs, RBIs, um, on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, so having a good year for sure, gonna get paid for sure. Um, but that'll be really like the only thing for our camps worth keeping an eye on. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's just it's it's weird to me because if like I said, it's, break. <laughs> it is uh, it is the complete opposite of what I anticipated. Like I would have assumed both these conversations that we're having about home runs and triple crown watch would both have been for the Cardinals. Your team sucks. We're wrapping up all our shit early. Yep, yep. We're, there's like you guys had your you guys had your chance to wrap it up weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now you're just wrapping it up normal people time. <laughs> oh, more points from Kyle Tucker. A little base hit from Turner. A little walk from Freeman. Yo, Kyle Tucker's ready to come out and play. Did he steal Dude, base today. He did. He's two for two with two walks and a stolen base. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude, Jesus. He's base. he's two for two with two walks and a hit by pitch. Been on base five times tonight. Nine and a half point. Yeah. Quiet nine and a half point night. <laughs> quiet, yeah. quiet nine and a half points. Yep. Yeah. yeah, if you could do that for me every day. Like, if Kyle Tucker puts up 50 right. points for me no, in the finals. no RBIs. No nope. RBIs. Well, only one run scored. Been on base no five times. Only scored once. Scrub. Yeah. Scrubby Houston Astros scoring 10 runs. This is never Kyle Tucker. The Phenom. Um, Make sure it'll be Kyle Tucker. Get out of here. Get the yellow. (laughs) Yeah, I thought thought you'd make a comment whenever I made my comment about, you know, hearing that. Someone yeah, say Pujols <laughs> carried the Cardinals to the postseason. And I was like, if you believe that, get the hell out of here. I thought for sure you'd at least like, like, oh, shout out. But no, yeah, you didn't even comment on it. Oh, it wasn't like staring at my phone. You, you just trolled me. These, you and Steve had these conversations. Uh, and when I get to my phone, it's like, you have 50 missed text messages. Yeah, and well, because like, we're like, because we had a conversation. Like one of us threw yeah. something out there. And yeah. then the other one replied, and we talked it's about so, it, and then you joined later. Yeah, I know. That's what I did. Yeah, but exactly. you didn't. But all you did was troll me with your comments. You didn't give me love uh, for using your team name in a sentence. Yeah, I did. I did see that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Now you're like, well, he did. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here, Chris. Yeah, but he didn't. <laughs> I was like, I know he's trolling me right now, but if he's being serious, I'm going to be so mad at him. 
Damn, no. 15 points today. I'm um, down 15 points now. We were like tied. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you went backwards. I feel like you yeah, were at like 26. Ooh. No, yeah, I mean, Waka had to 30, have his bad 30, start earlier. Negative two points. Walker, negative one points. Sean Murphy, negative one points. Gotcha. Yeah, that'll Sean do Murphy, it. Because I think you're at like 25. Christian Walker, 0 for 4 with a KO. John Birdie, 0 for 5 with two KOs. Austin Riley, 0 for 4. Yeah, Naquin, 0 for 3. Only at 2 for 2 with a stolen base hit by pitch, on base <laughs> 5 times, 1 run score, 9. Hey, 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 hey. I didn't trade you, Riley. Yeah. Tyler Naquin, you got him in that deal, and you've been starting him. You know, you could have started IKF. You know, he's got five and a half points right now. No, that's dude, way, we that's way better. I start IKF the type of weeks we get out of him. <laughs> that's Eight true. Point, negative one and a that's half points. It's all good. I got Josh Allen on a fantasy team. If only Josh Allen played fantasy baseball. Or if only he was on a baseball team, I could draft him there too. <laughs> Yeah, it's illegal for him to be on a baseball team, summer sports, where he would normally wear shorts, mm -hmm. and they don't allow shorts to be worn in baseball. So it like is a breach of contract. Like Josh Allen needs to give the world X amount of time of short time. Yeah, uh, in last week's game, he ripped some dude's helmet off, um, like they were in a pile. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, man, dude, he needs to kind of calm down. <laughs> but apparently that defensive lineman grabbed his junk. Oh, shit. So, like, yeah. punched him in the knee, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then Josh Allen said today that he that, that guy's got a reputation going back to college of doing that. He said I should have kept my cool a little bit better. And then I thought, man, imagine having a reputation going back to college that you just grab dude's junk. Yeah, that, that dude, dude touches dick. That yeah, dude touches dick. Yeah, dude. Uh, cup check. <laughs> yeah, I'm cup check, please. Um, <clears throat> NFLPA pays me to do this. Make sure you're being safe. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm looking at this. <clears throat> there's a, there's at least like relevant baseball being played. Like I'm I'm glad to see that there's some playoff implications going on in both leagues. Um, I know that there was like at one point, I feel like way earlier in the season, um, especially in the AL, I, I think it was the AL that we were like, okay, Houston's going to win. Yankees are going to win. Cleveland's going to win. Um, I th I think, like, except this is like after the White Sox, like we're having their struggles. Um, here, let me see if I can. I'm going to go back to like the beginning of July and I'm just going to check and see where the standings were. Um, so as of July 1st, yeah, so it was, it was Houston had a 12 and a half game lead in the West. The Yankees had a 12 game lead in the East. Um, and the central was like up for grabs between Minnesota, Cleveland and the White Sox. But we knew that there was like a strong possibility that the central was only going to send one team. And it was like, okay, this is shaping up that it's going to be like probably Toronto, Boston and Tampa Bay going to 
the playoffs. Because um, at this point, like, Seattle was five games below 500, and Baltimore was still, like, eight games below 500. Um, so Baltimore was 35 and 43 on July 1st. And then... So 35 and 43. And after their loss tonight, they're 80 and 74. So they've gone, what, 47 and 30, basically, like in that time. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. 17 games over 500. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like if, if Baltimore didn't jump up, like in Seattle went on their little tear because they've really fallen off as of late. But it's like the five teams at the top were kind of like this, the – you know, five teams that we sort of expected to be there knowing that it was either going to probably be like Cleveland or Minnesota or Chicago. So there's going to be like one team from the central, but I'm glad that it's like stayed close enough. Like we don't know who's going to finish in the, like we know the four teams that'll be in the wild card, like three of those four teams, but they literally could finish in any position in the AL. And then in the NL, you know, like one of the wild card teams will be whoever doesn't win the East between Atlanta and the Mets, but that's completely up for grabs. And then you still have three teams fighting for the two other wild card spots, and you don't know who will get those. So like, it, it I feel like it is really wide open for the concerns that we had at the beginning of the year when they were expanding the playoff field that we were like, this. Like, there's just going to be 12 teams that are far and away in it. Now, I guess it would be, I'm trying to think, like, if it were just five teams. So, if Seattle wasn't going, um, so there, so it would be, like, Baltimore's magic number to miss the playoffs would be down to four versus it being at six. So, you'd probably start to count them out like they'd probably be out of it and then in the nl it would be like three teams fighting for one spot so it would still be kind of exciting but not but not as exciting because it would be situations where like right now Philadelphia where like the the wheels are kind of falling off like they've lost three in a row they just lost to the Cubs tonight <laughs> like they I think they lost a series to the Nationals last week like they're three and seven in their last 10 games like they have like the worst record of any team that's in the playoff hunt um in the NL and they're tied with just Seattle overall for like the the whatever 14 teams that are in a playoff hunt <laughs> those two are three and seven seattle and philadelphia um but it's like they could still like find their way and limp in and then you just never know what could happen so i think i'm uh i think i'm on board with the expanded playoff yeah, picture of course you are dude more teams is always more exciting um Especially, it's always like an extra storyline, you know? Um, yeah, yeah I, I think I was just worried because I, I feel like in years past, like, just, just so I make sure I'm not I'm not lying, I'm going to go back to 2021 real quick, and we'll just see, like, kind of where things wrapped up. Um, <clears throat> so you had, 
uh, in the AL, um, you know, Tampa Bay, Houston, and the White Sox won their divisions. Um, all pretty convincingly, I think. Um, yeah, like Houston won by five games. Uh, the White Sox won by 13. Tampa Bay won by eight. So there really wasn't any like drama for the divisions. But you had Boston and the Yankees um, that uh, tied for the AL wild card. So fourth and fifth in the AL. And Toronto finished one game behind them. And Seattle finished one game behind Toronto. So it was pretty pretty close race there um, in the AL, you know, among seven teams. Like you, like okay, if it were if it went to six, Seattle still only missed the playoffs by one game, so you still would have had a, a run. In the NL, that was not the case. You had San Francisco who won the West, but only by one game over the Dodgers who ran away with the first seed in the NL wildcard. Um, Milwaukee won the division by like five games. Atlanta won their division by six games. And then St. Louis was the second wildcard and Cincinnati was seven games behind them. So there was not really a deserving sixth team in the NL (laughs) that would have went to the playoffs. But if you expanded it to six teams, then then Philadelphia would have missed the playoffs by one game behind Cincy. Um, whereas, really, that was wrapped up. Like, everyone knew who was finishing where, with the exception of the NL West. You know, who was going to win that um, pretty early on. I mean, like, Milwaukee won by five games, and they lost four games in a row to end the season. And they still won by five games. Um, so that that's where I was like a little concerned that like, man, like there, there's really only like five or six teams that look like playoff teams, you know, or look like legit contenders every year anyway. But it's been, been, you know, pleasantly surprising. You know, like I, I was worried that we would get to the point where maybe like, um, teams that are below 500 would um, would make the playoffs. You know, like what we had in the 2020 season. Well, there's like multiple teams that finished below 500 that made the playoffs in the shortened season yeah. because they expanded to eight. <clears throat> but I will say that they are taking one step towards um, kind of – a realignment of sorts that I think is better. Like now that they expanded, I think it is odd that they have this like third division winner that just becomes a wild card team kind of thing. Yeah. I get just, it's weird. So I'm hoping that this is kind of the, the first step and reshaping back to two divisions. Um, And I honestly wouldn't be mad about since there's the universal dh if they went to like more of like there are two divisions you know like how hockey does it um where there is a western conference and an eastern conference and there are two divisions of 16 or of eight teams in each of those i think that in order to get to this point like my cousin and i talking about it and he made a good point that i think you have to expand to 32 teams first 
and have it to where you have 16 teams in each league, and then you can get two divisions in each conference of eight teams, um, or you know, or something of that nature, because um, then you could take like, okay, if you have, you know, the <clears throat> like what it, I think in hockey it's like the Atlantic and the Metropolitan, and then you have the Pacific and the Central and the Western Conference. So it's like if you win your division, like if you win your respective divisions, then you have the first round by, and then it's just the next four best teams. Um, so it's no longer like, uh, hey, like you you won your division. It's just like you're the number one wild card team. And you have, you won your division, so you get a bye. Um, but rather than that being AL and NL, where you would end up having, like, the Dodgers and the Angels play each other, and, well, maybe more realistically, like, the Mets and the Yankees play each other in the World Series, because the Angels are just never going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, you, you would have, like, you could still have those potential matchups, but maybe you just have like the Mets and Yankees in different divisions in the Eastern Conference, you know, and like the Angels and the Dodgers are in different divisions in the Western Conference, um, and you just realign that way. <clears throat> um, so I I think if they go that route, but I I think it'll help to get a better idea of parity, like with where division like how much teams actually benefited from playing more games within their division um, with the change in the schedule next year where you're going to play less games against your division and then, you know, more games, like, play every other team every year. And so I think that there will be some teams that are obviously big winners in that regard and then some teams that are like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but can we Can we talk about this? They get some, yeah. Because um, I was looking at it. Because uh, I obviously I I had been tracking your you know I've been talking to you like making a point, um, like where where like Baltimore and Boston were at in terms of getting to like above five hundred type stuff. And so I was I was hoping. Like, at one point, you know, I want to say at, like, the 140-game mark, 145-game mark, um, uh, every team in the AL East was, like, above 500. Um, I'm trying to find, like, I want to say it was, like, early September, I thought. Sorry, I'm just poking around. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, so it looks like early September. So on September 9th, um, Yankees, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Baltimore were all over 500. And Boston was five games below 500. And they had just lost four games in a row. So at one point they were like 67 and 68. Um, you know, call it the, you know, right around the Labor Day holiday. So that's when I started looking into, like, oh, I wonder if this has ever happened. Like, has a team ever had five teams go above 500? Um, and they hadn't. 
the record was like four, which had been done twice. I think it was the AL East had done it once. And I think it was like the, um, I, I think it might've been the AL central. Um, it could have been the NL central that had done it. That like four teams went, played above 500 Damn. at some point. I forget. It was, Damn. it was, yeah, it was one of the, yeah, it was one of the, yeah, well, it was, it was four out of five teams. So it wasn't, it wasn't a time frame when, at least I don't think it was. Maybe, maybe that could have been it. But it was like the NL Central when they had six teams and four of them played above 500. <clears throat> Something like that. But either way, like it had never happened. And there's still the outside possibility that it happens this year. Um, Boston is currently 73 and 81. So if they win their final eight games, they would finish 81 and 81. So all five teams would be a 500 or better. Um, assuming that Baltimore wins one more game. Baltimore's only at 80 wins, so they could still still only finish below 500. Let's go, Baltimore! <clears throat> but, so I was like, all right, that's never been done before. But I wonder, like, how, like, how likely it is that a division doesn't have a team lose 90 games. Especially currently, when you play 19 games against every other team in your division, you just kind of have like that self-cannibalized situation where one team tends like to get beat up on by everyone else in the division. Um, So like, for example, like the AL Central, they have the Royals and the Tigers that are both at over 90 wins. Um, But like the... uh, Like a little less than half of Detroit's losses are against the AL Central. Um, Oakland has 97 losses. 41 of them are against the AL West. Uh, Washington has 101 losses. 53 of those are against the NL East. So, like, you're, you're, you just kind of cannibalize yourself at some point. But I was like, all right, like, let's look at the possibility of 90 lost teams and so with Boston's win tonight, the AL East is guaranteed not to have a 90-loss team because if Boston lost the rest of their games, they would finish at 89 losses. Um, the AL Central already has two in Kansas City and Detroit. Um, the AL West already has one in Oakland who will probably get to 100 losses. Texas will likely lose three more games on the year, so they will have two that get to 90 losses. The NL East already has Washington and Miami um, at 101 and at 90 losses, respectively. Oh, the AL West also has the Angels at 86 losses, so they could end up with three teams at 90 losses. Um, the NL Central, they have Pittsburgh at 97 losses, Cincinnati at 95, and the Cubs are at 86, so they could also potentially have three teams at 90 losses. And then the NL West doesn't currently have a 90-loss team, um, but they have Colorado at 88 and Arizona at 84. Um, so it's possible that they end up with two. So ultimately, the point that I was making is like it could be every other division could end up with two of their five teams at 90 losses or more, and the AL East wouldn't have any teams with 90 losses. So it's like I'm curious to see what happens when with them doing this change, where the AL East, you know, they only have what I think it's going to like, I think it's 14 games against every team in your division instead of 19, 
So it's 20 games being given back to you for every team that you're no longer playing in division. Um, like Boston, for example, they have a, they went 18 and 15 against the AL central. They went 25 and eight against the AL West and nine and 11 against the NL. They're 21 and 47 against the AL East. Um, so they're eight games below 500 on the year. And they played 26 games below 500 against the AL East. <laughs> like, so I think if any team is very excited about playing less games in the AL East, it is the Boston Red Sox for next season. So get get your picks in for their win total to be a good number next year because they whooped up on the other teams. We'll have to remember that next year when we're pre-betting money yeah. or uh, win totals. <clears throat> and so I was trying to find teams like on the opposite spectrum, like who really gets screwed by it. Um, and I I think it I think it isn't surprising that the NL Central, like St. Louis and Milwaukee, will take a pretty decent hit. Um, the Cardinals put, went 16 and 18 against the NL East. They went 19-13 against the NL West, so decent. I think a decent showing against that division. 10-10 um, and 10 against the AL, which I think they had. I think they had the AL East this year, so um, I think it was like the five teams in the AL East, and then they played four games against the Royals, so it was like, you know, or something along those lines. Because um, I know they played the Yankees and the Red Sox and Tampa Bay. So 10 and 10 against the AL, I think, is a good showing against the top division. Um, but they went 45 and 24 against the NL Central. So Cardinals are 25 games over 500, and they played 21 games over 500 against the NL Central. Um, the Brewers, it's you know not as bad. They went 41 and 34 against the NL Central, but I think that that's likely because they lost more games to the Cardinals than the Cardinals lost to them. So that's likely where that difference comes into play. Um, but I think the ones that that really surprised me were the Astros and the Dodgers. Like, that this may impact them quite a bit. So, the don't get me wrong, I mean, they won a whole bunch of games. So it's not like the records are terrible. Um, but their records were so good in their division that it surprised me. So the Dodgers, you know, 106 wins. They're 59 games above 500, but they they went 19 and 14 against the NL East. They went 23 and 10 against the shitty NL Central, um, and 15 and 5 against the AL. So Central and AL are pretty good records, but they went 49 and 18 to this point against the West. Um, so that's like 30 games, 31 games over 500 against their division. And then the Astros, I think it's even more telling. They went 15 and 14 against the AL East. They went 10 and 6 against the NL. Uh, 26 and 8 against the crappy AL Central, but 51 and 25 against the West. So 26 games above 500. And on the year, they're only 49 games above 500. I say only, but it's like more than than half of their their. Uh, being above 500 was inflicted like internally. 
um, cannibalizing the other AOS teams where they are, a lot of them are pretty bad. And they may only send just the one team. Like, it's possible that it's just Houston that goes. So where I know we, we joked a lot about, like, oh, man, the Cardinals are going to be real upset to lose five games a year against those other teams and replace them with more games against other teams in the AL. Um, but I think, I think some of that is not as rough because, like, you're going to replace, you know, if you look at it like, are right, you're going to replace those five games against Pittsburgh with six games against Detroit and Oakland, who are also really shitty teams. Yeah, and the, it kind of washed itself a little bit. Yeah, the the Astros, I feel like it it isn't as much because I feel like the AL West may be the worst division in baseball. Like, I, I don't know. The, it may, maybe it's because like I think the AL West has teams that theoretically should be good and they just constantly underperform. Because like the Cubs being at sixty-eight and eighty-six, I think everyone expects that. The fact that the Angels are a half game worse than them right now is baffling to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I, I think it's really the the Astros that probably will be, <clears throat> you know the screwed the most for lack of better, like for not really knowing how to say it, but like negatively impacted by <laughs> the change in schedule. We're going to be playing better teams. Yeah. I, I, I think so at least like, and this is granted, this is through 155 games of just 2022. I don't know what it looks like over the course of like the last like couple seasons, but there was really no rhyme or reason on like, it, it wasn't even like the the Cardinals played. It rotated each division. Like, they... Because, like, the Yankees were here last year, I feel like, as well. Or, or maybe they weren't here last year, but they're here this year, and then... So now they'll be back next year. But, like, it, it wasn't like they played the AL East, then the AL Central, then the AL West. Like, I feel like they just, like figured out at the beginning of the year, like, okay, like let's just have the AL Central and NL Central match up this year because we can schedule this easier. You know, or something along those lines. Like it was just it, it never felt like an even or like an even schedule amongst across teams and it never felt like there was rhyme or reason to it. Um so it'll I think it'll be nice to like have like a little more parity across who teams play within a division. But we'll see. Oh, Dodgers tied it up. Uh, looks like Sandoval got pulled at five and a third. Nice, nice. So that's still tied. So no quality start, no win. So I just, you know, 4.33 points for Sandoval to six and a half from Bieber. Granted, I I would much rather have, you know, Bieber should really be outscoring Patrick Sandoval, but whatever, I'll take it. I I outscored him yesterday. I'm outscoring him today. So I, if I just outscore him every day, I got to win, right? Um. That's how that I works. Mean, it's that it sounds like it was, but I'm like really bad at <laughs> word problems. 
Fair enough. Um, John, so so what do you got? Like, uh, I mean, we got kind of talked about fancy baseball a little bit. Um, we we talked about me being a championship. We didn't give any love to Chris's team. I know he's kind of been he was in sell mode at the trade deadline, and Chris kind of lost interest in fancy baseball after that. He's kind of been in fancy baseball or fancy football mode. But he's in the midst of the rumble. He's got a decent showing early on, but he's also playing in the consolation consultation championship. Yep. Um, so he's he's Making going moves. for ten bucks of his own. You know that big money, losers bracket type stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah so the money either last year. So I mean. Yeah. You know, gotta we gotta win some. But what you're? I mean, if we look at it, look at the rumble. Like Robbie's kind of out front. At 63 points, I'm always happy to see Coates, you know, down in that that 18 point, and Nick Aldrain in like that 18 point range, just bringing up the rear. Um, yeah, Robbie at like 63 got a handful of teams that I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh my ass off if this holds true. It's like right now, Robbie, sure makes sense, strong owner, you know, putting up good week so far. But then second place is Steve at 45 and a half points. And that's the auto draft. Hasn't set his lineup at all. Like Brandon Lowe in his lineup um, that's been out for the season for a while. Uh, let's see, like when Brandon Lowe like last played a game. Um, he played... Um, September 7th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. So four games like earlier this month. And then it was like one game at the, like a couple games here, there, then August. But he, he's been out, back injury, out for the rest of the year. Just shut down. Tampa Bay's not bringing him back in his starting lineup. Uh, Tyler Maley, um, shoulder injury for Minnesota, out for the rest of the season. Uh, Frankie Montas, shoulder May, might be back for the Yankees for the postseason. Who knows? But he's not expected to start at all in the regular season. Uh, so rolling in just four starts where a lot of people have, you know, eight to ten starts. Um, still rocking Craig Kimbrell, who lost his closers role for the Dodgers. You know, whatever. Um, just, you know, Anthony Santan, uh, Santander on his bench with a cool 28 and a half points already on the week. You know, could, you know, could be pretty good pretty good guy to get in your lineup yeah um but he's, he's second been there all year dude Fuck yeah. It. Leave him on the bench. yeah he's second at 45 and a half points um and then you know but only three starts in hand and then pope at with four starts remaining in hand now um is at 45.167 so 0.17 um in third place <laughs> and he is like you know, been bottom rung, you know, 16th place regular season finish. He's battling for like not last place right now. Like the loser of that matchup finishes 16th. Uh, so I'm just going to laugh if like, you know, if it's like just whoever wins the rumble, but then Stephen Pope, like just stay where they are, finish second and third in the rumble, get, get some money back, you know, whatever. Uh, but especially Steve, like, because he hasn't made, like, any transactions or whatever, so he hasn't spent any money. 
so if he if he places in the rumble like it's just net positive like he just makes money on the fancy year and he did nothing did nothing like literally this is the closest to an like this would be worse than an ai controlled team if i were to ever do that in our league and he could win money so it's like it just gives me faith that like this could work mm-hmm. yeah because like if i you keep buying in every year <laughs> yeah because like if i had him like it because obviously like how it would work would essentially be um like there probably wouldn't be a lot of like free agency pickups. It would just be, uh, if guys are hurt, like I would put them on the IL and I would pick someone up in his place, right? Kind of thing. Team. Yeah. yeah, but like, and then it would be like his like the the lineup each week would just be like, all right, like who's projected to get the most points? That's that's what we'll set to. So it would just be like CBS Sports selecting who starts for him, like what what combination of players give him the best players. But if guys don't get hurt, there would never be any moves made. So like, if he just has guys underperform that stay healthy, then so be it like that. That's just luck of the draw. But in that happening, like he has, um, let's see if I can, I'm going to check. So Anthony Santander is on his bench. I'm pretty sure has probably been on his bench all year. Um, let's see, outfield. Um, yeah, let's go here. So yeah, he has been on Steve's bench all year, and he is 49th in the league in scoring. And he has not, he's not played one single game for him. He's gotten zero points of the 388 that Santander has put up on the year. And actually, it's 17 points higher than that now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to find somebody that's like in the same vicinity point wise. That's maybe like a little in front of him, because like Otani is too far up. Like that's like here we go. So Shane McClanahan. Now that's that's also behind. Yeah, so oddly enough, like with him just so I forget, like Alejandro Kirk was his catcher all year, top fifty point scorer. Um, I think he's like second or third among catchers. Um, Ryan Mountcastle, hundred and first in scoring. Eduardo Escobar, one sixteen. Harper, ninety five. Cedric Mullins, fourteen. Otani, twelve. Um, like his outfield could. You know, easily be Harper, Mullins, and Santander, which are all top 100 point scorers. Like, that would be a pretty nasty outfield. So, it's like, if he just would have, like, set his lineup, like, not even, like, made moves, but just set his lineup, could be way better. Um, like, he's had Joe Barlow in as his relief pitcher, and then Camilo Duvall's been on his bench. Uh, Duvall has, like, 200 points on the years of relief pitcher, which is right around the same as like Ryan Presley that we were talking about earlier. And Barlow has 83 points on the year. So he would have an extra you know, 120 points there. You must think he's got Scott Barlow. Yeah, maybe. Um, but then with making like no changes to his pitching staff. So 
uh, Mally got hurt, but I mean he was serviceable up until then. Um, McClanahan potentially going to win the AL Cy Young. Mm. Uh, Frankie Montas got hurt, but he's been serviceable. Like he would be fine to round out a rotation. Uh, Charlie Morton is you know a top 150, 175 type guy. Winner strikeouts this year. Um, you know, 250 on the year. Uh, Zach Wheeler, 290 points on the year right now. Hot, top 125 in points. So it's like he, he would, you know, if, if Molly and Mata stayed healthy, sure. But like if he just went out and made any kind of moves with like taking flyers on starting pitchers and, you know, ended up with like, let's see. Who were, who were some of the guys that got picked up? that are, you know, kind of viable starting options that I feel like guys you, got. You could have probably picked up any one of the Orioles pitchers at some point in time. Yeah, like I, I just picked up Kyle Bradish. Yeah. I think you've had Lyles for a minute. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I think, like, uh, I think there were times that, like, I think Ranger Suarez might have been, like, a recent free agent pickup. Maybe Travis, like, had dropped and picked up at some point. Um, well, I knew drafted Ranger, so yeah, but I I think he had dropped them at up. times and picked them back up. Maybe not though. Like I know, like Kyle Freeland was a, has been a free agent on again and off again throughout oh, the year, and not that not that he's a stud, but it's just it's other options to go along with these guys. Yeah, um, so when you're taking chances on him, you like hit on a guy, you know, right? Like like Spencer um, Strider, you know, pick him yeah. up, see what it's about, turns into something like you're going to keep. You know, but you got to be active. Yeah, I think... Uh, Take chances. Yeah, I think... I think Mickey picked up, like, uh, JT Brubaker at some point. I know Kurt picked up Tyler Anderson as a free agent at some point. I picked up Nick Lodolo. Yeah, because Kurt had Lodolo for for a minute, too. Um, yeah. I think, like, Andrew Heaney, Michael Domingo Waka. Herman, Waka. Yeah, like, some of the guys... Because like, you filled a lot of your rotation. Yep. And... Uh, that way. <clears throat> um, yeah, I did a much better job in free agency in my rotation than drafting my rotation. For sure. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, but again, and again, like, it's not like he needed a ton of guys. Like, we listed a handful of guys. Like, Martin Perez, for example, is one that I picked up as a free agent. Like, granted, it was pretty early in the year. But, I mean, he's got me 350 points on the year. Like, he's 77th in scoring as a free agent pickup. So, like, he easily could have gotten guys that were there. And he he also could have traded away pieces. Like, he easily could have gotten a whole bunch. Um, What I think Otani would be keeper eligible as a second-round pick next year. Um, I think Ryan Mountcastle would be keeper eligible in the 12th round next year. Um, like McClanahan, like I said, I, I think he, uh, Mac probably going to win the AL Cy Young. He's keeper eligible in the seventh round. Um, and as a top pitcher, like probably would have gotten a first round pick for him, uh, for sure. You know, if, if not like a second or third, cause people typically pay more for pitching, uh, cause it's kind of at a premium at that point. Like I would have, I probably would have given up, you know, a second round pick for him especially with him being keeper eligible. Like, okay. Um, 
but yeah, it's, so it's like real easily. And then he has Kirk keep eligible in the 13th round. It's like that could have been a decent option for anyone that was like looking to upgrade a catcher, you know, because you have him as a keeper for next year and you really have him as a keeper for two years if he keeps putting up points the way that he is. Because uh, like I'll, I'll take a top 50 point score in the seventh round. Like that's that's great value. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so it's like if just would have paid a little bit of attention. Because like if I could have added, like I really would have liked to have added one starter to my to my team. Like I think if I could have been able to add one additional thing, that would have been what I what I would have what I would have wanted to go after and I was trying to trade uh with Kurt like my brother um at the deadline and in the deal like get uh I think it was from Valdez and I think there was Quality Star King yeah, I think it was Valdez, and I think I was trying to get, at the time, uh, LeMahieu off of him because I didn't know, because this was prior to me dealing with you for Tucker. Um, so I was like, I don't really have great keeper options. Um, so I had, like, just McNeil, who I had, who I had traded for early in the year. Um, and I was like, man, I don't really have anything for keepers. So, sounds like LeMahieu, at least I can take a flyer on him relatively late. Um, or that's not late, but it would be like a ninth round pick. So I was like, eh, like I can, I can live with that. He's a top 100 point scorer still on the year. Um, this was before he got hurt. I was like, and it gives me a whole bunch of position eligibility. Um, and so I was like, all right, if I could add that, that would be great, Pike. If I could have gotten, like, uh, you know, given up, like, a second-round pick for, like, Shane McClanahan, like, that would have been, man, like, this this would be in the bag. Like, I would feel, I would have felt so great at the trade deadline. Because, like, my other four starters are insane. Like, my rotation is just disgusting. Yeah, if I could have, yeah, because I think it would have been, like, the way I was viewing it, and remember, LeMahieu's been hurt, and he's still, like, 88th in points. But I think I was going to give up. Um, I think it was, like, uh, I think there was a pick involved. It might have been a second-round pick. And then I think it was Flaherty and Gorman for Valdez and LeMahieu. And so if that happened, then I basically would have LeMahieu would have been playing second base as like a top 100 point scorer, McNeil would have moved to the outfield and it would have moved Teoscar Hernandez out of my lineup. So I would have had nothing but, you know, top 100 point scorers in my offense and nothing but top 100 point scorers in my starting rotation. And then Fairbanks and Presley as my relievers. And like at that point, if I would have lost fantasy, I, I just like, all right, I'm just not, I wasn't destined to win this year. Cause I don't think I could have put together a better team than that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we're we're in there. Um, we'll record next Monday as well. Well, ne- next Monday, it's Tuesday right now. 
but we will record <laughs> we'll record next week also um and we'll we won't know winners yet nothing will be set in stone um because obviously the regular season ends on next next wednesday the fifth um but we'll have a, a much better idea about where we're at so right now as it stands i'm up by 10 and i have a start in hand um and i think he has one guy still going and i have two um in the la san diego game um so maybe maybe we add a couple more points who knows <clears throat> but um and then chris currently down by nine down um, by nine down by two starts 97 but um but i feel like you're you're kind of right there um start wise like i feel yeah, like dude, a I lot of a lot of people Kwan are like in the up... seven eight nine yeah yeah, yeah. i just need steven kwan to put up 68 points again <clears throat> that that would be nice that would be nice He's um, already up to nine so we're getting it but i mean i think if you if you remove robbie who is who's tied with you and and starts um but also like he has like it's shown that like michael lorenzen is triple started um so i don't know i don't know how that's gonna work i I don't know i don't know how they're gonna go that route um and he's not really like an opener so i don't expect i don't think robbie's actually at seven starts left um he is projected to start on the like tomorrow on the 28th and then he's projected to start the third and the fifth of october so i don't really know how that's gonna work um, so I think it's safe to say he probably only has six starts left, um, which I think is the fewest of the guys that are, I think that are actually competing in this. I don't think Steve and Pope realistically are competing. Um, I don't think, uh, Coates is, I, I just, I don't think he's realistically competing. Like he has, you know, injury logos next to a whole bunch of guys in his pitching staff. So. <clears throat> um yes yeah, so i think you're, you're right there like it's you know i i think you're what let's say out of the so 14 13 12 11 so out of the 11 guys that realistically are competing in the rumble you're like 10th right now ninth right now um in front of Nick Aldrain and my cousin. But I, I think you're right there. I mean, it's like the yeah, difference. Man. Yeah, like, like I said, other than Robbie, and then if you remove Stephen Pope, who will eventually drop off, like everyone else is like in like that low to mid 30s, like 31. I guess Trav's at like 38 points. Um, yeah. So and you're like, you're like 10. Yeah, you're no points. Yeah, you're like 10, 15 points back. So hopefully we have better news for you in terms of the rumble. Um, and then again, your heads up, you're, you know, 10 points back. So hopefully you're able to, to turn that around and we're just celebrating all around. Uh, it, it makes sense that we're mourning a little bit at the start of this week. Bill's lost unexpectedly, hey. you know, um, but the Texans haven't won yet. Right. That's, that's the team that you have your, your bet on. Yeah. I need the Texans to hold on to like week 12 to get their first win. Yeah. yeah, they got a tie week one. Which <laughs> <laughs> is insane, dude. Uh, that is they insane. almost won this week, too. They, I mean, they played well enough to win, so. 
Oh, well, uh, you know, sometimes well, the better team doesn't the always win. Yeah, they played the Bears, and then, like, so this week they're playing the Giants. So it's, the Giants should win that game, but it'll be another close game. So it'll be a lot of these games. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Houston plays the Chargers, so they'll definitely probably lose that game. They should lose that game. Um, are the Chargers still undefeated? Um, Did they lose? Uh, they won this week. No, they're not undefeated. The only two oh, they, undefeated that's right. They lost to Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. They lost to Kansas City. That's right. Um, yeah, like I'm looking because you have them. What uh, you have them beating the Browns, right? Yeah, is that week twelve? Uh, something like that. Because we'll yeah, see. It's like Deshaun Jackson. It's Deshaun Watson's like first game. I'm pretty sure, or a second yeah. game one, maybe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, twelve. It's or it's their twelfth game. I don't know if it's. I, I guess conceivably it could be week thirteen, but. I don't know when their buy is. Let's see. It's um um. Uh, Houston Texans first win. Oh, it's actually week thirteen. So yeah, it's yeah. week thirteen versus the Cleveland Browns. Ten dollars pays out twelve hundred to your boy. <clears throat> and I mean they have what? So I, I know the Chargers are a good team. Uh, you said the Eagles are having are off to a good start. Yep. Uh, Giants are so-so. Uh, they're they lost last night, so they're two and one. Okay. Uh, Dolphins that's who just beat Buffalo, right? Yep. So they're they're clearly a good team if yeah. they beat the yep. Bills. Yep. Um, I don't know much about like the Jags, Raiders, or Titans. Uh, you would imagine that all those teams can beat Houston. Okay. Um. So, what about the Commanders? Mm. I mean, yeah, that's like crappy organization versus crappy organization. So it'll be a toss-up. Gotcha. Any either one of those teams could probably win that game. All right. So you have, so so you you got by, and I guess like the Colts Texans being tied was that kind of a surprise, or are the Colts like not really that great of a team? Uh, no, the Colts should have been a great team. Like they like yeah. Like they should have, they should be beating a lot of people, but they just finally got their first win. So gotcha. Yeah, that was a huge surprise. Gotcha. And then they got, and I guess like the Bears. I feel like the Bears are never expected to be good as of late. Yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> so you got, so you got a couple where you're like, all right, should win. Really, just like one. So really, the one game that you're like, all right, the Texans could win this game. The command. And that's the Commanders. Which it would really suck. Like I feel like if you were gonna be if you were gonna be wrong, you would either want it to be like Texans didn't win until like you know December eighteenth when they play the Chiefs, like that's their first win, <laughs> just because it's against Kansas City, or like they like if they would have beat like the Colts week one, you'd be like fuck all right, but at least it it happened right away and it's over. If they won, like, if they beat Washington or Miami, like, a week or two before your game, Ugh. that or, like, if they if they lose to the Browns and then, like, beat the Cowboys uh, the following week, it'd Ooh, just be like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's, that's so annoying. Like, why you guys suck so bad? Why you gotta suck so bad? Um, yeah, we'll see how Houston does, you know, a little fun. 
Yeah, so if you want to... $10, $10 ride. Yeah, if you want to root for anything, just, you know, random bets, there you go. Root yeah. for the Texans to lose until December 4th. Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, Say it accurately, let's root for the the Texans to not win until December 4th, because we don't need them to lose, as we found in week one. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I still got, I got Von Miller winning Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I got... I picked all the teams to win the division, so that's ten dollars pays out twenty nine hundred. Um, but I did pick the Chargers to win that division, and so that'll be the I think the tough division, and then the Cleveland, and we got Buffalo winning winning it outright. But the only reason we picked Buffalo to win it outright is because they did that like uh, for every week that the team that you pick to win the Super Bowl wins, you get five dollars in promo dollars. So oh, gotcha. Uh, as long as the Bills win ten games, I'll get that fifty back in promo. Nice. There you go. That's not yeah. smart bets. Like, and yeah, it's not like yeah. you're. It's not like you're not gonna bet again. You know, yeah. It's like that fifty dollars. Like parlay four or five things happening together. Yeah. It's like that. Good. Like that. Do you get that uh, promo money back every week? Each, each week they win. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it was like the end of the year they just paid you out. Um, yeah. Does it expire like the Dinger Tuesday money does? It does. Yeah, but it was like two weeks, I think. Gotcha. Not a not a big deal. Not the end of the world. Um, Can't stack it. It would be cool if you could stack it. <laughs> yeah, like if they just paid you out. Like, all right, here you go. Now you have yeah. like, uh, now you have like, you, you have know, like a promo 50, fun, but like you just sixty dollars. Yeah, like you just have like sixty dollars site credit now. Trying to get a hole burner in my pocket, use all my money. Right. Something good. But yeah, <clears> right. Yeah. Yeah, see, you know, we're holding on strong in baseball, and we're you know starting up in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then hockey right around the corner. Blues, I don't know what they did tonight um, in their yeah, third really. preseason game. But they beat Arizona, and they beat up on Dallas yesterday. And then I thought they played the Blackhawks tonight. Yeah, they won 4-1. to one. So, haven't dropped the game yet. They won 5-4, 4-0, um, 4-1. Who... Let's see who scored. We've been getting some... Uh, some help from guys that are uh, not your your big name guys. Uh, Shem with two assists, Kairu Kostin assists each. Um, I don't know who this guy is, but O'Reilly got a goal, and Falk got a goal. I don't know who Griffin Luce or Lucy is. He got a goal, and then Nikita Alexandrov scored a goal. Hmm. Yeah, but I think, like, I know they scored five the first night, and it was like um, Jake Neighbors got two goals, and Logan Brown Love scored two it. goals. And I was Love like, hey. Jake Neighbors' goals? Yeah, I was like, all right. Like, I can, I can get behind, like, our third, fourth line guys being goal scorers. Like, yep. Grant's preseason hockey, I don't know who they were against, hey. but. Hey, scoring goals, do you like to be in hey. the rhythm of it? Yeah, and then uh, it looks like Benner was in net for probably two periods tonight. Say stop 20 of 21 shots. Yeah, two periods, 40 minutes on ice. Uh, and then Zarenko came in. I don't, I don't know who that is. I feel like that's not, not the guy that has been playing. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that name. But, uh, but yeah, so we got Blues Hockey starting up. 
again. I think it's early October. Let me tell you real quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to a game in November. I know that. Yeah, yeah, that you are, that you are. Um, yeah, my first game is October 26th, and I think that I don't think that that's the the Blues home opener. I think I have a second game that we're going to. Um, my computer's being stupid. By that I mean I clicked on the wrong thing, but it's my computer's fault. Um, yeah, so they have they play Columbus Thursday preseason, and then so they have five preseason games left. Yeah, so they open the season October fifteenth against Columbus. And then they go on the road for a couple games. And then, yeah, Edmonton is the first game I'll be at, which is like the sixth game of the season, fifth game of the season, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but who who are we getting? I think we uh, go... San Jose. Yeah, the Sharks. Sharks? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, San Jose. Cool, cool. Well, now that we rambled, I just realized that we're at like 215, 216. I think we can wrap up. That's all right. You know, we've Double been rambling, dude. Yeah. Are you guys real fans here for the rambles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is yeah, what you guys yeah, stay yeah. here for, for the late night ramble? You know what it's about. <laughs> Talking about the rumble, late night ramble style. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, so lots of baseball. Look forward to. We'll uh, update you for like that final series. Hopefully there's still some interesting things to talk about uh, come this time next week. And we're celebrating some good news and the fantasy world across the board and the Bills win and the Texans lose and the Chargers win. The Go long, Chargers. The Chargers win. The Texans <laughs> lost, but uh, we, let's see what we're rooting for. Bills, David, Chargers, Chiefs. David said he ordered a, uh, a Chargers shirt. So when they go play pickleball, he can wear the Chargers shirt because Travis is always in the Kansas City Chiefs. He's like he's got like eleven Kansas City Chiefs shirts, and one of them he's showing up in. That's uh, awesome. I can say I've never seen Travis in a Kansas City Chiefs shirt. Oh really? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I've also only seen Travis like twice, I think. So, mm-hmm. and I and both was times Cardinals games. Uh, well, one was at a Cardinals game, and the other one was the fantasy draft. Or right, so I guess I've seen him three times. Twice at Cardinals games and then once at the fantasy yeah, draft. Yeah, yeah. So they've all been baseball related, and I'm pretty sure he's been in a Cardinals jersey every time I've seen him. So as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't own any other clothes. Yeah, and they're just all red. They're all blending in. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. He did pick teams that share the same colors. So yeah. convenient. Easier to do laundry that way, especially when you're watching <laughs> reds. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, Travis, big brain in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about his laundry. Yeah, I I don't know who I could root for. Well, I like the Cardinals. The Chiefs are also red. They really cut down on laundry time. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna go with that. For the Chargers, they're blue. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. <clears throat> but cool. All right. Well, as always, thanks for tuning in, sticking with us. We'll be back on a little bit more frequency. Uh, as we go towards 100 episodes, this was episode 98, 
don't think we yeah, talked we about that at all. With more frequency right after the playoffs. Yep, and, then and that will probably we'll, go on a little bit more of a hiatus. And an off-season break. We play golf too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we'll figure out like maybe some stuff, like some, some time frames that we want to try to get stuff to that we can catch up. Because really, like, there won't be a lockout this off-season there might be some contract stuff to talk about. So as long as there's things to discuss, we'll probably record. So really we'll be as busy as the MLB offseason is. Yeah. I'd like to get with Travis in uh, one weekend morning and get it and create a team in outside the park baseball uh, yeah. and enter it in a tournament. I did. I have an awake. He was in discord one morning. I don't know, like months and months and months ago, beginning of the year. And him and I like created a team out of like the players he had. And then we watched, kind of like, remember what we did when there was no yeah. baseball and there was yeah, yeah, yeah. season? Oh, that's man. Like, no, and it was like the saving grace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that the pandemic that we were just like, oh, what's going on in this tournament? Like, what's going yeah. on? Who won today? Cardinals won today? Oh, Yankees won today? Cool. Yeah, so, like, Travis let me decide how I would want to build a team. Like, do I want home run hitters? Do I want, like, power pitchers? Like, how am I trying to build my team or whatever? And then we got to watch them uh, just play their uh, tournament later on the day. So, it was pretty fun. Very cool, very cool. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll we'll actually wrap up this time. Yeah, bro. Uh, we'll stop. Up. We'll stop rambling. This will be the actual wrap up. So when Don't you thought, anymore. you know, this is like a horror movie. You thought that it was dead, and then we came back for one last scare. Now we're officially dead and over with until the sequel. You know, which is the eighth version of this movie. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. Good to record. Chris, thanks for your time as always. And uh, until next week, stay cool. Good night. Good evening.